Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. Uh, this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. Ho, ho, ho. The Christmas episode. Se- seasons beatings? Seasons greasings? I don't... Seasons bleeding. Seasons <laughs> There we go. Seasons bleeding. Can you bleedings. do the Rankin' Vile theme but add Jingle Bells? Like a Jingle oh. Bell track? <laughs> oh, I'll add, I'll add Sleigh Bells to that motherfucker. I, I actually have a Christmas uh, uh, sound pack. That I can bring to bear on our terrible theme. For a while there, I was using a remix I made of the Friday the 13th Part 3 disco intro. But then I got spooked because I'm like, well, I mean, I did remix it a little. But I wonder if legally I'm going to get angry takedown notices from New Line. So, so you got spooked not by the fact that it's a disco Jason song, but by actual New Line Cinema. Exactly right. Which, by the way, uh, I am excited to at some point talk about any Friday the 13th movie. Because I love that this is like a horror podcast. We are over 150 movies deep. We have done nary a Friday the 13th on this list. What if we just never do... <laughs> Yeah, what if that's the house rule? Is you know what? Actually, fuck a Friday. No, the house rule is we'll do it, but only after ra- ranking every individual episode of the Friday the Thirteenth television series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the haunted antiques, where okay, no, yeah. no. What it has to be is you and I both have to single run defeat the Friday the Thirteenth NES game. Oh yeah. Before we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have to beat actually, the man to be the man. <laughs> you, you you really do. And the thing is, we haven't ranked any video games on this podcast yet, and I feel like that could be a good place to start. Is that incomprehensible Friday the Thirteenth video game for NES? I don't know if video games can can really be counted as movies. Well, I'm, well, well, well. Depending because we could do um, until dawn. Yeah, which, yeah. which obviously it was like a very narrative thing. They got motherfucking Peter Stormare just Stormarin all over the place in that thing. They mocapped his beautiful face. I guess that's a face. Um, he got Rami Malek in there. Anyway, um, so with Friday the Thirteenth, I almost kind of feel like it's like doing a fast food uh, reviewing podcast and having never done McDonald's. <laughs> Just purposefully doing everything except McDonald's. But is it also like low-hanging fruit? Like, you don't need to review McDonald's, it's McDonald's. See, it you is could... Disconcertingly like, consistent. Well, it's, it's, it's disconcertingly consistent in that they don't alter anything about the format of those movies or the pacing or anything about it until Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Um, so, and, and then obviously here's the thing. Jason X is the greatest of those movies and I will, I will, I will fight. The thing is also like we could literally rank on this list in one spot parts one through eight of Friday the 13th (laughs) as its own standalone because it's basically the same movie eight times. So speaking of the same movie, I just this last week watched Home Alone and Home Alone 2, which is horror adjacent. Oh, sure. But Let's talk about the balls of those screenwriters to say, you know, the first one really worked. Let's just port this to a new... Let's just put a New York skin on this and just see if anyone notices. (laughs) Down to the creepy old person uh, that he bonds with at the end of the movie. Oh, man, that guy's... Yeah, he's just constantly making friends with creepy old people. Except, also, let's talk about how Kevin is sitting in the, you know attic of the symphony with this uh pigeon lady and she's Mm -hmm. talking about how like no one sees her because she's a homeless person and homeless people 
make uh, us face the harsh realities of our economic system. Right. And, uh, well, Kevin McAllister says, yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes I have to sleep in a bed with Fuller and I never get pepperoni. I never get cheese pizzas. Oh, my God. How did she not immediately just, like, <laughs> feed him to the pigeons? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, feed his bones to the pigeons at that point. Well, and, like, Home Alone, I, I, I have to give them props for the, the, the first movie where they're like, all right, so in this kids movie... We definitely need Joe Pesci threatening to snap, quote, snap off your cojones and boil them in motor oil. Yeah. Uh, But they also think, yeah, so that's, you know, sequels are all about topping that. What can we do to go further? So it's what's actually murdered these robbers (laughs) and show it on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Pesci's character puts his on fire head in a toilet filled with kerosene. My God, he does. And also, let's not forget that uh, Marv is electrocuted in his bones show. Fuck. Yeah, the, honestly, I need, see, now I need to go back and rewatch both Home Alones. Also, my four-year-old thinks that those movies are hilarious. Yes, which, honestly, that's some circle of life shit, because my, my poor sainted mother, we... She stepped on so many goddamn uh, Legos after my brother and I watched those stupid movies back in the day because we thought it would be really cool to, like, booby-trap the house. And I'm, I am I continually marvel that my mom did not smother us in the crib. So so at what point do, do parents say, like, oh, my child is a genius, oh, how wonderful, and at what point do they recognize, like, oh, they're a tragedy girl and they're going to... <laughs> kill everyone in town and keep a serial killer locked up in the garage i mean that's all i i Which a twi- sure you... with a twit stream to monitor him <laughs> I mean, and like the I'm ability sure to the... push notifications on everyone's cell phone in the town <laughs> i mean like i'm so, sure you've seen that fan theory about how kevin McAllister eventually turns into jigsaw yeah 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 so the first movie we're talking about is not a Christmas movie, but it's so goddamn good I couldn't yeah. not talk about it this week. We're reviewing Tragedy Girls. Yeah, we are. And this is one of those movies that um, I, I would say that it's... Uh, so we've already done Night of the Slasher, um, which I feel like this is like a spiritual relative. I feel like they would recognize each other at the Horror Family Reunion. Okay, what it is is if you took hashtag horror and mixed it with the rise of Leslie Vernon and it was good. Oh, man. I hated both of those movies, and yet somehow I love Tragedy Girls. Because it actually works. Because, um... So, I like Behind the Mask, but I can see how it's a little too self-aware. Well, I I think for me it's it's that it's not funny enough to be a comedy, not scary enough to be a horror movie. And in fairness, like, we're, we're, we're like neck deep in meta horror at this point so and and this was one of the i mean not it wasn't obviously the first ever meta horror movie but i think it was one of the first modern ones um and i like definitely props for doing that when not a lot of people were but i i think for me it's just it could not have been more obvious from the jump in leslie vernon that the lady making the documentary is actually the final girl see the first time that that move that reveal was given and oh spoil word for behind oh, the mask <laughs> oh it's been no, that years. Old as fuck. that's not yeah. really a thing that kills the movie either but i popped the first time that that was revealed oh well there's the way that that movie like switches perspective and it's almost like it's not as jarring as funny games where he like takes the 
remote and pauses the movie. But there's definitely a shift where you're like, whoa, this has changed. The movie changed genres. It changed uh, format. Right. But, I mean, I, I did. Uh, I, I mean, I did pop for Robert Englund in, in, in his role as like Dr. Loomis, basically. Yes. And like, so that was great. And also, I'm so glad that they used Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads over the credits because, yes, absolutely do that. Yes. Um, so, Tragedy but, Girls so Tragedy is Girls. really good. This screener was provided to us by the fine folks at Gunpowder and Sky. They're putting out really good movies lately. Uh, and this is one of them. So, it's Let's great. Let's into the plot, right? Do, do you want to get it? Is it a movie that we want to do a full plot synopsis or we just want to give like a short... This is a really oh, good movie. I mean, I feel like if you just give the plot synopsis, that's not a spoiler. Because it's, uh, like, on the back of the thing, it would pretty much say exactly what the deal is. That's true. Because five minutes in, you know, like, you know the plot. Yeah, so it's two uh, girls who are obsessed with serial killers. So basically, uh, a very young My Favorite Murder, like, proto My Favorite Murder uh, podcast. These girls are called right. the Tragedy Girls. They have a YouTube channel. And uh, they are obsessed with serial killers to the point where they're actually trapping and trying to learn from their local serial killer. And right. they hatch this very, like, grand uh, scheme to, what, get more famous for their YouTube channel by murdering a bunch of people. And uh, farcically, everything goes wrong, and it just goes over the top. But it's it's about friendship. It's about you know, the teenage girl experience, except that it's written by, written and directed by a bunch of dudes. Obviously. Uh, but it's got amazing cast. I feel like, um, Brianna Hildebrand and, um, Alexandra Ship are amazing. So did you know Brianna Hildebrand is Negasonic Teenage Warhead? I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, from Deadpool. Yeah, from Deadpool. Oh yeah, with the shaved head. Hey, I did not write. See, I've never seen Deadpool, oddly enough. Like, that's one well, of those movies I just never got around to. It's adequate. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my dumb. parents really like it. Uh, but oh. back to Tragedy Girls, a movie that they would not like. So it's <laughs> it's just, it's good. I'm a sucker for teenage, like, high school movies. Yeah. So, like, high, uh, movies that capture the high school experience in a way where you're like, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, coming coming of age, and that, well, that and also, um, so the performances I think are the strong part of this. My, I think one of my favorite bits of this is uh, Josh Hutcherson, who played Peta, obviously in the Hunger Games, and is the dreamiest, and we all love him. Um, he's this like he's also very big on social media as this like sort of you know like you, you you hear Paula Cole basically playing softly in the background anytime this guy is you know giving you those big brown eyes, um, and he's he's just a fucking delight that like as he's well, I, I, I don't want to spoil that part, but he, like, all of the performances in this are pretty good, but, like, what what I kind of love about this movie is, like, this is, like, a good version of the third act of Scream 4, where, uh, have you have you seen Scream 4? No, I have not. I've only seen Scream 1. Well, okay. Um, do you mind if I spoil it for you? Uh, kind of. Okay. So I want to watch those for the show. So like. all right, all right, never mind. Um, but so the idea of like hashtag social media and the way that we consume tragedy, basically, like I think this is a, a kind of a, like a f cool take on. It kind of reminded me of Heather's a little bit. Yeah, me too. Like a, a funnier, well, not really funnier Heather's, but like an updated Heather's. Yeah, where like instead of like teenage suicide, don't do it. It's like 
being a serial killer, don't do it. Where, you know, like, there's this weird culture of, like, social media and, like, media exposure of murder, which I think was always a big part of the Scream series as well. Um, I, I like meta horror like this that's not written uh, written by Kevin Williamson, basically. Yeah. Um, not that, I mean, because, like, I'm a huge fan of the Scream series, but also there are points where it's like, we get it, Kevin. Social media. Um, but, like, so, uh, Tragedy Girls, I feel like what I love that it gets right is that the primary relationship we care about in this movie is the relationship between the two main characters yes these female friends and that's what it is is and it's not a like queer coded you know lesbian panic thing it's a we are trying to navigate friendship but also navigate a town besieged by serial killers well, and I, yeah, and I like that it places an emphasis on, like, the, the friendship between these two characters rather than, like, romantic relationships or, like, I don't know, sexual jealousy where one of them likes a guy and the other one is whatever. Like, I, it's, I, it, it was obviously, like, written and directed by, by, you know, dudes, but I'm, I don't know, maybe the bar is too low. I'm proud of them for not putting in the, like, meh, love triangle thing because there is almost kind of a love triangle but then they actually subvert it and do something cool with it right because the love triangle is not murdering <laughs> right the, their the hearts other belong to boy murder. is let's not be murderers and the girl's <laughs> like but you said you'd murder people with me <laughs> listen man you can't back out now don't don't do this um and like the uh, and honestly like the gore in this pretty fucking good i i, yeah, I honestly yeah. i love any murder sequence that goes awry and someone's trying to do a murder and they just fuck it up and they have to like scramble to actually like finish the job and make it not obvious that they've murdered someone. And the fact Um, that that happens like seven times in this movie is really great. It happens so much. They're just constantly like, you know, and honestly, you know, hashtag it's a process. Like they're just learning how to be better murderers. So Um, where do you want to put this film on our list? (laughs) Fuck. So let's start with uh, Night of the Slasher for, like... Oh, it's way better. Way better. better. Okay, so so what's an absolute ceiling? So I think it's better than Night of the Slasher, so that's a floor. What's our absolute ceiling? Well, now, I would say that my ceiling, I do not think this is better than Return of the Living Dead. Okay. So... I'm thinking it is better than Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Also, Climax is in a prom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it's, yeah. I'm trying to think of other things it's similar to. It reminds me a lot of Ginger Snaps in the way that it genuinely depicts female friendship. Mm-hmm. And in that case, sisterhood. But this well, is like, you know. Well, if we're going with female friendship and like, you know, maybe toxic female friendship, I would go with Jennifer's body as... See, I would say this is better than Jennifer's body. Wow. Okay. So, so, and, and the reason why that is because I think it's like a tightly, it's like a tightly crafted story. Like Jennifer's mm-hmm. body has some script issues. Yeah. It goes, it, the third act has problems, but I think this neck of the neck of the woods is good triangulation. Um, so I would say better than Cat in the Brain, because it has something to say besides I'm a dirty bird. I'm a dirty, dirty boy. And actually, I, I'm, I'm kind of quietly pleased that we're slowly burying Cat in the Brain every time we do this <laughs> podcast. 
because every it seems like every movie we do we're like is it better than cat in the brain yeah fuck that piece of shit we just like drop it down the list now here's the problem is <laughs> right above cat in the brain is gremlins 2 and i don't oh, know fuck. what to say about right. anything right. in comparison to that is is a coming of age story about female friendship murder and uh social media better or worse than gremlins 2 <laughs> um so oh, so me. let's just say like above so above gremlins 2 is uh the mutilator right and now i i can't decide if i feel like a dusty movie from the 80s that's really good and a living breathing new Time voice in horror i feel like this is a better you know what entry. yeah i think you're right um and I think I, I'm 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 that, that's always the thing that I've been worried about uh, in doing the list is like lionizing these old classics at the expense of the cool stuff that's going on right now. So the newest thing we have in this range mm-hmm. is um, Blue Ruin, uh, which ah. is another comment on violence and like the human aspect. Even though I... this is like a comedy, and Blue Ruin is like the most dour very drama ah um, uh, see i i would i would put blue ruin above tragedy girls and i really like tragedy girls yeah i think that's fair but okay so right under that is tales from the crypt demon knight um, <laughs> which which is better billy zane as a tap dancing western demon or a coming of age story about murder I think the coming of age story. I think I think so too. I think that's okay. the right call. So our new forty four is Tragedy Girls. Uh, this is on VOD right now. Um, one of the better movies of twenty seventeen that we've reviewed. We're not going to do a year end list because you can just look at our list and just kind of figure it out. Yeah, but well, uh, and, and and also you know God bless Ryan Murphy for as we know uh, creating the genre of horror comedy. Oh boy. Um, yeah, which he, Jesus. But yeah, I, I feel like uh, Tragedy Girls, it's exactly what you would want out of this movie, I think. And I, you know, at the end, I was worried that it was going to go a certain way, and then it ended on exactly the right note, and I was really, really happy. Yes. So, let's get into our main program, which is holiday horror movies. Crema. Uh, here comes the bell, sweet silver... Is that a Hell? public domain song? I don't know. Hells? Anyway. Yeah, you're, um, yeah you're, go, you're going to jail. Um, so the, the first movie we have uh, on the list uh, is the movie Good Tidings, which was a, a screener that was provided to us. Thank you, guys. Yes, so thank you, uh, Stu, uh, the producer, and uh, the whole crew for this. Um, this is a British movie about a... Uh, group of killer santas that yeah. siege uh, i love siege movies so oh, is this too. a siege movie or a home invasion movie oh i feel like this is definitely a siege movie because um the people who are living there this isn't exactly their home and in fact the idea of home for a lot of these people is kind of an alien one um this is like a liminal space because they're they're so uh the plot of the movie is that there? Uh, there's a guy who's like a good Samaritan, and he's helping out the homeless and like bringing them to this building. And they've got like a place to sleep. They've got food. They, you know, they're able to hang out with people. And this um, building full of like maybe a few dozen homeless people is getting uh, just murdered to shit by a trio of dudes in Santa costumes. Which could you help yourself 
uh, from not thinking of the Doctor Who episode with the killer Santas, or is that just me? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's the English accents, because everybody in this movie sounds like Adrian Neville. <laughs> it's the English accents plus those really awful masks that the Santas wear. They're like oh, man. dollar yeah. store um, Santa ma- rubber Santa masks. You know what? It, honestly, do you know what I kept thinking of? Because it was like furry Santa costume plus vaguely... Simeon looking masks. I was thinking of the stylish but illegal Ikea monkey. But there's three of them, and they're murdering the shit out of the homeless population in Northern England. Yeah. So, let's talk about the the Simeon aspect of the Santas. So they're what? Escaped mental patients? Is that the the thing that's revealed at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, I I think it's... I guess. I guess. I mean, the Simeon thing makes sense because they're hoo-hawing all over this fucking movie. Like, they're just... Uh, dancing around and doing like weird monkey shit. They don't and... communicate with words. They, they just don't use their grunt words. and hoot at each other. Mm-hmm. And and like now here's here's the thing. So they're murdering the shit out of these people. And part of me is all right. So the popular critique people have of the Child's Play movie is, dude, if you're getting chased by a mean doll, just fucking kick the doll. Just, like, football punt the thing across the room. And I'm kind of like, okay, this is three rude, crazy Santas up against, like, a few dozen people. Like, just overpower them and kill them, you fucks. Like, what are you doing? Well, um, to be fair... Okay, so here's where I'm going to wall actually you. Uh-huh. Please, uh, please. The whole movie is about homeless people who are huddled in an old courthouse for mm-hmm. winter. So they're trying to keep a low profile... Um, they're huddled under safety. Uh, you could take the Rick Grimes Walking Dead stance that, like, the people that aren't living on the streets that are actually in safety are actually getting soft and weak from that. Uh, <laughs> and also, like, you ha- these are not, like, not everyone is an ex-military veteran. You have addicts, you have children, you have people that are down on their luck i mean you have a heart patient who literally dies not from the killers but from his uh condition that's true they're not really in fighting trim necessarily yeah yeah so i you know i think and of course it's the very born identity trope of i have a certain set of skills and now i'm called to use them and everyone goes (laughs) i can't believe you used that it's very um kind of very you're next in that way yeah a little bit, yeah, where it's like, you know, one of these people just so happens to be a fucking killing machine. Um, and now, the, my, my problem with this movie, so obviously it's like a siege movie, they're sort of picking people off one by one. My beef with this movie is that these Santas take too long fiddle-fucking-around, and you have to, like, watch them, sit, like, humming and, like, torturing people, but not torturing them by actually torturing them, just, like, leering at them... I would say that maybe unwrap Christmas presents, uh, sing Christmas songs. Yeah, and it's like uh, I would say sixty percent of this movie is people going, "Why are you doing this? Please don't do this. You don't have to do this." And the Santa's going, (laughs) "Yeah, it literally that noise." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like a like a happy little gremlin. And so we talk though about how this is the best score for a Christmas horror movie I have ever heard. Oh, oh, here's the thing. I've got beefs with this movie in terms of like plotting. That soundtrack is fucking perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The score to this movie is perfect because it's all pitch shifted, slowed down 
Christmas carols. It's like funeral dirges of Christmas carols that are, by the way, kind of danceable at points. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I'm trying to um, get on the IMDb page to find that guy's name because I want to give him a shout out. Yeah, because so... big ups to that guy. Like he, that that I think that was one of the best parts of the movie was just the soundtrack and. I, I think uh, there, there are bits of it that are kind of retro synth, but it actually it's not obnoxious and it actually works for the movie. Yeah, it's like Sun meets uh, retro synth. It's Liam W. Ashcroft. That is the so, most English fucking yo, name Liam, I've ever heard in my life. Uh, good job. Keep doing you, man. Oh, uh, dude, he scored some other movies, and now I'm going to watch these <laughs> movies just because he was in the music department. Oh, for sure. Like, the soundtrack is the best part of this. Now... The other, the other thing that I have about this movie that I was kind of, maybe I expect too much, I wanted some kind of maybe statement about homelessness and the way that we treat the homeless and the way that we, I don't know, like, put them in, like, dire straits and don't help them and just kind of leave them to die. Yeah, and it really doesn't try to do no. that. No, no, it just, it's, it's like they needed um, a steady supply of people to get murked by mean Santas. Yeah. And that was the most expedient way to do it. Yeah, just get them all under one roof. They're all, you know, getting sanctuary in this abandoned courthouse. Um, Which actually yep. makes it, like, an anti-homeless movie <laughs> to say, like... Oh, and also, no, like, acknowledgement of, like, a little bit of talking about drug addiction because, like, yeah. there's, the, there's a, you know, a heroin addict and she talks about her methadone use and all that. And, like, mm -hmm. I kicked it, but I kept this methadone just in case and... It felt kind of obligatory, like, didn't it? The overlap between the mentally ill and um, the homeless population and also the idea that these are probably, you know, because the first time we see the Santas, they're guys in, in um, paper gowns with right. their faces bandaged, and then all of a sudden they're Santas killing people. So, like, the, the coding of, oh, we're escaped mental patients. Like, there's no comment about that well now and here's the thing uh as uh, an enormous horror fan who is also mentally ill myself i that's one of the aspects of um like that that's one of the common tropes in horror that i find really really hard to defend to people who don't like horror for that reason that like the relationship that horror has with the mentally ill in portraying them in you know talking about I don't know, mental illness and the way that it works, like, that, it's fucking rough, man. And another movie we're doing for Christmas on this thing also has, like, a spooky mental asylum. Um, and it's it's a thing that, I don't know, I've got a, I've got a weird relationship with, uh, for horror, because you, it, for me, it's like, okay, you look at a monster, why are they a monster? And if the reason is, well, they're fucking crazy, then, like, that, to me, is kind of not good enough. Right, and, and, you know, you can argue, well, what's scarier than someone that you can't reason with? You know, you can't reason with a crazy Santa. And right, see, right. I'm even using the word crazy Santa. Which, oh, sure. You know, but it's like, you can't reason with the Santa because they keep saying, like, please don't do this. And what's scarier than something you don't have control over? Right, and there's a, there's also... a bit and, it, well, and there's a bit in this movie where one of, like, there um, a couple of the characters are huddled in a room... And one of them says, like, surely there must be something they want. And then the other one turns turns to him and says in a very thick Geordie accent, like, there's nothing they want. They're just doing this. And, it, and yeah, I think that it's kind of trading on that, that, like, you know, they can't be reasoned with. They're, you know, they're, it's a bunch of dudes in Santa masks with ass, with, with, with axes 
I don't know what you think you're going to accomplish in trying to talk him out of this. And on one hand, that's kind of what I was looking for with this movie. I love siege movies. I love the, you know, I love Road Warrior and um, Chopping Mall and oh yeah, Assault on Precinct, Assault on Precinct 13, Thirteen because it's just like uh, sieges rats, Night of Terror because it's siege. You know, we're stuck in a building. We gotta fight. I mean, that's Die Hard. Maybe the best Christmas movie is we can't reason with these people, so we've got to shoot them. And right. for like big bubblegum popcorn popcorn horror, that's really great. But when we sit down and talk about it, it kind of yeah, leaves us could... with a shrug. Besides, well, that was fun, but it wasn't right. fun enough to kind of make us think about it and and well, this is kind of yeah. what i wanted to ask you because i started watching red christmas and turned it off because mm. it's playing real fast and loose with the beginning scene of red christmas plays uh real fast and loose with abortion and it's got a oh a living aborted fetus that is gonna grow yeah. up to be the killer and it's like yeah it's a fantasy movie and that's of course not accurate but in the world of 2017, where people are legitimately arguing against, you know, the curvature of the earth, and the presidential administration has banned the CDC of using the phrase evidence-based, like, yeah. we can't really, I don't know, like, does... It doesn't occur in a vacuum. Yeah, yeah. That's, I guess, my question is, like, what is the responsibility of our creators with this media? Like, do they need to recognize that this is in a vacuum? That, like, I'm trying to think of, like, an example of a dumb thing that I learned from a movie that's not true, but I still probably think is true. Um, One example of a thing that I I learned from a, a horror movie that I later found out was completely false is the use of electro, uh, electroconvulsive therapy um, in, like, mental health facilities because, again, like, you watch um, a lot of movies that, again, because it's horror, a lot of them take place in, like, the spooky mental asylum, and you see this thing where, I mean, like, back in the day, for sure, ECT was, they played it fast and loose with that, where they, you know, sort of would do it involuntarily, and um, it hasn't been like that for a very, very long time. You're not awake for it. You're not thrashing, and, you know, th- there aren't, like, cartoon electrical uh, flashes going on on your skull um, and, 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 and here's my thing I feel like the, the boundaries we draw with what we're willing to deal with in horror are kind of in some ways subjective because it's like okay so you look at Red Christmas and it's got an irresponsible portrayal of a, of a late term abortion that's obviously harmful and we're also still... that's not a statistic thing like it's just a, a that's a fiction like it's unsupported yeah. by you know, any kind of significance where that would happen. Right. People who are getting late-term abortions, it's because either, you know, your baby is going to be born without a brain or because your baby is going to, like, kill you on the way out and you're trying to save your life. And also well, the propaganda of, like, the still-living baby, like, yeah, the way a partial birth abortion works, they break the cranium. So there is, they, they euthanize the baby before it is removed yeah, now so here's here's this is not a possible thing and yes this is a movie we're talking about and it's yes i'm sorry it's gotten me so angry and you're <laughs> gonna have to like go in and like do a bunch of fucking editing on this one but uh, <laughs> well and it's and... so reckless 
It is reckless. And now here's Just the thing. Just for a case of like, isn't this edgy? I, th- I think that's what really makes me mad is it's not trying to do anything but be an edgelord in 2017. That's exactly, yeah. I'm not here for that anymore. It's well, just, and I totally I agree. Can't. Like, I totally agree. And also, it reminds me of... Now, I do think there's a line, and it, I think often of the time that I was 16, right? And I was working at a movie theater at the time, and I snuck in to see Freddy vs. Jason, which I was not old enough to go see yet. And there's that line in Freddy vs. Jason where Kelly Rowland uh, drops the F-bomb on Freddy Krueger. Now, this is a movie where we've spent the preceding, like, hour and, and ten minutes watching all manner of human bodies getting fucked up and folded in half. And then the, the bit that everybody in my theater kind of, it's like she drops the F-bomb on Freddy, and everybody in the theater just kind of goes, ah. And I think there is a line on some stuff. Man, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I agree with you. Uh, I'm just I am lost thinking of Kelly Rowland saying, hit me. <laughs> Jason at the end of that movie. Yeah. Wait, have you seen Freddy vs. Jason? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you have seen great. a Jason movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I love that stupid movie. But, so, um, wait, where were we? Right, so, with uh, Good Tidings, I... It was a slog to get through, man. Like, it just kind of kept going. It's got it pacing was... issues. It's a good concept mm-hmm. uh, for what it is. It is not trying to be a high and mighty, thoughtful movie. It's just a good, dirty, grindhouse kind of movie. Yeah. But it... Excellent score. And also, uh, I watched... I tried to watch another horror movie called The Elf this week, oh, which was boy. another Christmas horror. It mm-hmm. was scored with ambient like drone it was like um ryan who's a ambient drone composer so i sound smart on this podcast uh, masana yeah yeah like that but for this movie with a elf on the shelf that comes to life to kill people that's a fucking the choice most boring fucking thing <laughs> because <laughs> christmas carolers are being strangled with christmas lights and you just hear Ohm. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh, 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 dude, dude. I saw, no, actually, the band Sun, uh, circle, parentheses, parentheses, parentheses. Uh, Years ago, I went with a friend of mine to go see Sun because she was super into drone metal. I thought this was a joke because we walk in and it's a bunch of dudes in druid masks. um, And... You know, they just play one chord and just wham and let the notes dissipate. Wait 30 seconds and then wham. And I turned to my friend and was like, I will never forgive you for this. But counterpoint, there are some drone tracks where they riff and those tracks are those slap. I'll send you a specialized um, sun mixtape of all of the good tracks. Oh, sure. So anyway, uh, good tidings. This has been a really rambly episode. Oh, sure. uh, good tidings has been it, it's it's got it's <laughs> you okay yeah i'm just i'm struggling to, to <laughs> knit my words together this week good mm-hmm. tidings has got an okay premise it just and it's got an excellent score it just doesn't go further 
it's like a conversation with someone that just kind of, you know, it's like an elevator pitch, right? Where they're like, all right, it's like a siege movie. And you're like, uh-huh. And they're like, okay. And it's uh, escape mental patients dressed up as Santa. And you're like, well, that's kind of played out, but okay. And then they're like, that's it. And you're like, wait, what? And they're like, no, yeah, just a bunch of Santas. And they, they fuck shit up. And it's that for an hour and a half. And it kind of doesn't really go anywhere. They just, it uh, ends abruptly, you know? Uh, there were a bunch of Santas doing some bullshit, and that's it. And it's, there's, I've seen worse. Now, my, my, my main beef with Good Tidings is that it's not fun enough to be a romp. Yes. But I can't take it seriously because it's fucking Santa Claus, right? Like, this is not a gritty slice-of-life siege movie. This is some fucking Santa Clauses. So, I'm going to throw a movie out there, and you tell me higher or lower. Mm-hmm. Hardware by Richard oh, Stanley. Ha- oh, buddy, hardware is way above this. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I, will be, I will be the lone hardware stan until the day I die. So our ceiling okay. is hardware. hardware. Um, how about Motel Hell? Better um, or worse than Motel Hell? Yeah, I would say it's actually better than Motel Hell. Okay, okay. So now we've got us a place to work with. Mm-hmm. So, a movie that's similar in this is Neon Maniacs in this mm-hmm. range. Yeah. Yeah, so, where it's just a sort of fast and loose crazy story. Yeah, so, and that's, but that's more of a romp than this. Yes, and actually, and the one just below Neon Maniacs is Heavy Metal, and I still have a lingering fondness for Heavy Metal for what it did with, like, cartoons, but naked, um... Because, like, I loved Heavy Metal when I was a kid because it was, like, that forbidden movie I wasn't supposed to be watching, so maybe I'm more fond of it than it warrants. I like cartoons, but I also want to be a pervert. <laughs> Let's say I'm a pervert, but I also like cartoons. Excuse me, Blockbuster employee. Can you direct me to the Japanimation section? <laughs> I'm looking for some perverted cartoons. Um, so, and now here's the thing, though. Curious Georgia Halloween Boo Fest, which has a better soundtrack? Right. Oh, Curious George Halloween Boo Fest or Good Tidings? I gotta give it to Good Tidings. I think Good Tidings is better. Uh, But above Curious George's Incredible Melting Man, which is also way too serious. Oh, way too serious for a movie called fucking The Incredible Melting Man. And also drags way too much more, but does not have a good soundtrack. Yeah, so for that, I would actually, I feel good about putting it at uh, between Heavy Metal and The Incredible Melting Man. So the grossest part of Good Tidings is when that Santa is sucking on a candy cane and makes it a sharp point, which is a very uh, tropey thing. It's been done uh, enough. So and, and stabs that woman and then puts the candy cane back in his mouth. Oh, he puts it back in. It's uh, oh. God. And the reason why that's especially gross to me is because mm-hmm. the other day my son was eating a um, grape uh, tootsie roll pop. Mm-hmm. And eating chicken nuggets and dipped the Tootsie Roll Pop in his ketchup and oh. ate it and just kept on going. Oh, no. No, no, no. And it's that's like, the worst thing I I've could ever chastise him, but that's not actually inappropriate behavior. It's just fucking gross. Your kid is chaotic good. That's, that's, if a grown person did that, I would never talk to them again. <laughs> But a four-year-old, you're like, oh, a four-year-old. it's just crazy enough to work. My my God, maybe 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 ketchup on a grape sucker, maybe it's great and I'm missing out. Who can say? 
So let's get into this other uh, movie, Black Christmas from 2006. This is the remake of the uh, excellent classic Black Christmas. The Stone Cold goddamn classic. I love the original Black Christmas. Bob Clark. Yeah. Who also directed A Christmas Story. (laughs) (laughs) So really, just variations on a theme. Just different ways to look at Christmas. Yeah. So is there a more 2006 horror movie than the 2006 remake of black christmas there is not actually i would say maybe murder party is as of its time for the mid 2000s yeah i Um, think murder party is like a year later so definitely they're very they have a they have a uh an aura to them well now and this is the this is the weird thing by the way about living in 2017 and having come of age in the 2000s um I find it hard to differentiate between a lot of things between about 2004 and now because it all kind of looks the same to me because I've lived through this period. And it makes me wonder, like, 20 years from now, are people going to instantly recognize a mid-2000s thing the way that we can recognize exactly what part of the 80s something was from, from, like, the film quality or the soundtrack? Listen, I watched Jingle All the Way the other night. It's been a Christmas-heavy week. And that is the... That is a perfect time capsule for the year that it was made because it's a movie that takes place in toy stores. So it's oh, just yeah. actual toy stores, actual clothes, actual everything. Yeah, you know, the car that Arnold drives is like a Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's like exactly 1996. Yes. And actually, and with Black Christmas, especially the way that you can like carbon date this movie as having been made in 2006 is the fucking gore in this thing because i think horror movies now here's the thing uh so if we're defining eras of horror by the big movie that changed everything flipped the script and everybody copied it until the next one this is in the post saw boom yes this was the it's it's cartoonishly gory like to the point where you know oh he stabs her with the christmas tree oh wait now he's setting her on fire Oh, wait, now he's using a cookie cutter to cut out her skin. Oh, wait, now he's baking the skin. Oh, right. wait, now he's eating the skin he's with milk. He's eating the skin cookies. Yep. It's like, oh, wait, now there's a close-up of him eating. It's like the aristocrat's <laughs> joke of the It's just like, how much can we do? Yeah, and then he, yeah, I, and especially with the gore, like, I don't know what was happening with this screenwriter and the fucking eyeballs all up in this oh movie. Oh my god, it, it's so man. many eyeballs. It's, hey, you oh. know what's gross? Eyeballs. So Eyeballs. Which is also, what year did Hostel come out? Uh, Hostel was, I think, 2005, I want to say. Okay, that's why. Because when I walked into the theater to see Hostel, I said to my friend, I'm down for anything except eyeball torture. And what did right. they do in that goddamn movie? They put that blowtorch on that poor girl's eyeball and, and lance it, and it pops like a boil. Yeah. And then I think 2006 is, you know what the kids are skeeved out by? Eyeballs. So let's just have a character <laughs> who eats eyeballs. And obviously this was like uh, produced by the Weinsteins, and I'm just picturing them screaming, more eyeballs! And they That's ruined the this movie. lore of this movie, is that it was actually a good movie, and then the Weinsteins came and fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. literally the IMDb page is like, yeah, they pulled some shit. And this movie's thing with eyeballs, I mean, obviously there's like a, on TV tropes, it's the ice cream trope. Um, I've got a few things that um, really make me clench when I watch horror. One of them is fingernails. Um, 
it's why a certain part of the Texas Chainsaw remake I have to watch with my eyes closed. Or and, uh, Stir of Echoes. Or Stir, oh, fuck me, Stir of Echoes. Or even The Ring has Ugh. a really horrible thing with fingernails. Also, I love The Ring. It rules. Um, but the Black Christmas remake, at a certain point, I would say around the seventh eyeball-related gore scene, I was actually throwing up, like, I threw my hat down in disgust. I was like, oh, come on! Like, fuck, fucking with the eyeballs. Uh, and the gore, you could tell that they were trying to figure out, because post-Saw, everybody was doing the crazy gore, and it's almost like this one was trying to figure out how much it could get away with. Yeah, and it's it's actually a laughable fi- It's an enjoyable film just because of the sheer audacity of it. Uh-huh. And also the we have a character that lives in the walls and he's going to cr- he's going to scoot around this whole movie and look through holes. And like Oh yeah. This this house is 90% people in the whole movie cuz the the house is so like, you know, he pops a floor tile out and it, there's an eyeball looking up at the girl taking a shower from the floor and like, you know, uh, you go to the next room and like he's looking through the porch and you go to the next room and he's looking through the ceiling and then you go to the bedroom and you see the thumbtack gets pushed out of the poster and he's looking through the thumbtack size hole in the poster <laughs> this is a very well dressing but what very really well makes me mad house. is that poster is a Ravenette's poster which takes um uh, I think it's the hands of Dr. Orloff and like re uh, remixes that. Mm-hmm. So it's got this character with these great big eyes on it. And they don't do the Scooby-Doo, like, let's just replace his eyes with this person who's actually been painted yellow because he's got the jaundice. <laughs> Ted t- jaundice. And actually, and now here's the thing also. Um, so the original was a Stone Cold classic. This one kind of had no idea what to do with the source material because it's like they were the now all right so here's the thing with remakes right i and and reboots i think it's a really pedestrian uh movie forum circa 2005 uh take to be like all remakes and reboots are bad and they're all out of ideas and they all suck because a lot of reboots and remakes do a fucking cool thing where they look at the source material and they go okay so the original Fright Night was a classic, and everyone loves it. What if we lo- what if we took that story, flipped it, and looked at different themes and explored different ideas using the source material as a jumping-off point? Yeah, or and, even Dawn of Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Like that remake is oh yeah really good. Like let's take this classic and turn the volume up and see what happens. Shit, I really love the Hills Have Eyes remake. Yeah, like. It's fucking incredible. And now, the problem with Black Christmas uh, 2006, it didn't have the fucking foggiest what to do with that source material. And they... But but it wants to have it. You know what it is? It's like a 70s singer-songwriter who desperately wants to say something socially, but has no opinions, so he just kind of throws shit out there in the hope that something will resonate. And so this is the Christopher Cross of, like, <laughs> of Christmas horror. The Christmas movie. Cross of holiday horror. Um, and so they try to go into backstories. I would say, like, a, a healthy fucking swath of this movie is backstory. And I don't fucking care why my killer is killing. No. Don't explain he's... the scary thing. It's scary because it doesn't make sense. My dude was out here eating flesh cookies. I don't fucking care about his childhood sadness. Um, and also, like, you're supposed to feel like this, um, this murdersome... 
uh, rapey, kidnappy, incesty child is like a sympathetic character at it for a certain moment, and it's like, yeah. no, don't make nope. me try to think that. I don't. Nope. nope. Yeah, and and again, like going back to what we were talking about with uh, the boo mental illness trope in horror. Yeah. Um. This I it just drives me fucking crazy when people portray in in the year of our Lord two thousand six for your Black Christmas remake, like psych wards as being these cold metal asylums like from back in the day. Yes. Just because I it's it's so fucking harmful because if you've you know been in the psych ward or you've had to go to a facility like this to get help are you gonna want to fucking tell anybody that you were in the psych ward because movies like this instantly everybody's mental like image of you in the psych ward is this shit yeah yeah it's 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 it's, again these films don't operate in a vacuum and like no they don't i'm hearing the twitter commenters say like oh you snowflake get the fuck over yourself but no i think like when we've watched 150 horror movies, there's some things that start showing up, and we're like, well, yeah, really, that's not a fun thing to watch anymore. Right, and actually, and you know what, for me, so we, uh, like, in doing this podcast, we are 160 movies deep on this list, and I I feel like at the outset of this podcast, when, like, you know, when we started doing it, I think I was a little crustier than I am now, where I was just sort of like, oh, this movie is so gnarly, it does some crazy shit. And I feel like if you're going to watch horror as the thing you do and really immerse yourself in it, you need to maintain your soul. You need to hold on to things that you actually care about and things that actually matter to you, or else you're going to turn into like some dude at a Friday the 13th marathon screaming and like being a, a weird meathead dickface about horror like i think if you're going to really immerse yourself in horror you've got to have stuff that bothers you and stuff that you care about and stuff that's not okay right you have that scruples that being yeah. said this movie is fun uh sure. my wife watched it with me and we had a good time the <laughs> color design is genius um spoiler alert are we gonna spoil this movie it's 11 years old Oh, there's nothing to spoil. It's a okay. Christmas horror so movie. So the end of the movie, when he's impaled on the Christmas tree, and it shows the shadow, but it's blanking the two tones of the Christmas lights, and the mm-hmm. shadow's moving over a little bit because of the lighting, that's a genius shot. It's great. Actually, I the way this movie is shot, it is it looks so much better than it has any right to. Like, it, it's well fucking shot. It's, like, the, the camera work is great. The soundtrack is pretty good. The performances, shit. You've got Michelle Trachtenberg, who played Dawn on Buffy. You've got motherfucking Mary Elizabeth Winstead in this movie. Yeah, and that poor girl from Mean Girls, who's always relegated to that poor girl from Mean Girls, because <sighs> I'm blanking on her name again. I am a monster, and that was also how I thought of her. Was Oh, hey, she was in Mean Girls. Um, who's, whose father, the maker of Toaster Strudel, would not appreciate this. Um... And like so, the performances are great. The the I, I feel like uh, it does a pretty good update of the original, which like in terms of like these characters have internal lives, they have shit they want to do, they're salty. Like the original Black Christmas, I love for a number of reasons, but it's also because this killer who's like you know breathing heavily on the phone like a fucking creep. Everybody at the sorority house is just one hundred percent fed up with this dude shit from Jump Street. Yes. And these characters, I, I don't know, like, I, I feel like their performances are strong, but ultimately it's really fun, but that's kind of all it is. Yeah. 
it's it's again it's a romp it really yeah. is a let's just bathe in the largesse of this premise you know so, what it is like for the post saw boom this is like the winger to saw's motley crew like this is where I all you were gonna the, say it, it's the uh, hostile two where there's like, <laughs> what the fuck ever man it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> who who like, gives what a if, shit? What if Saul, but also Euro Trip? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, actually, yours is yours is more correct than mine. <laughs> so let's yes, let's go with that. So, so where do we put this on the list? Okay, so other mid-2000s movies that it is absolutely not better than. I'm going to say it is not better than The Devil's Rejects. Oh, boy. No, no, no. This is not better than The Devil's Rejects. Uh, is at it least... better than The Grudge? Um, I don't care for The Grudge. Like, I can acknowledge that it was kind of an important thing for getting a lot of people into J-horror in the United States. Yeah, but... but... It's not that good. So, further down the list, we have House of a Thousand Corpses. I feel like it's not better than that either. Well, House of a Thousand Corpses more, I think, embraces the rompitude of its subject matter a little more. It's more rompitudinous. It, it, it quite rompitudinous. It is rompitudinal in its in its trappings and its execution. So so let's go to the first movie you said was exactly like this murder party. Oh yeah, just a fucking time capsule. Yeah. So I think this is better than Murder Party. It's better than Murder Party. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if it's better than Murder Party, but not as good as House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, how does it rank with Good Tidings? It is definitely better than Good Tidings. Yeah. I'm going to say it's better than The Curse with Will Wheaton. With Will Wheaton, yeah. I think it's better than The Curse. I don't... See, I feel like for, for romps, I think Invaders nails what Black Christmas largely tries to do way yes. fucking quicker. Yeah, and and shorter because it's a <laughs> single sight gag. Because, listen, we all got lives to lead. Here's a, here's a five-minute horror movie. Listen, 102 is not too shabby for Black not Christmas. Too, no, no, it's really, especially for a mid-2000s remake. Yeah. Okay, so 102 is Black Christmas. This next and movie I am excited to shit on. Let's talk about a movie that uh, the Twitter sphere is uh, raving about. But a we're buzz about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're doing uh, a recent movie that just came out. Uh, oh, oh, really? A recent movie that just came out. Uh, it's called Better Watch Out. This is available it... on Shutter exclusively. Who are our sponsor? Hi guys. But that doesn't mean that we liked it. <laughs> no, no. Listen, we're we're not going to like everything we watch on Shutter. Especially like, come oh. on. That's the point of Shutter. They have a section called Ferox, which is like. We've warned you, don't go into this section. Yeah. It's got and Black so, Devil Doll. They're like, no, really, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, this is like if they're a liquor store shutter, that, like, that's the section that's like the broom closet with the bathtub full of hooch that you see an old man stirring with a boat oar. That's what that is. So my cousin's boyfriend uh, was a bartender, is a bartender, and his bar does Mystery Shot, which is all of the leftover awful bottom uh, <laughs> shelf liquor. What, they you just pay, ring out the bar mat? Yeah, you just pay really cheap. It's like a regular shot is, oh, I, I've not been to a bar in a long time, so I don't know. Like if a regular shot is 
five bucks and mystery shot is three mm-hmm. and it's always like limoncello or like watermelon bombay or right some right it's not, <laughs> yeah oh god and it's gotten to the point where uh i've heard uh regulars will be like what is that give me another one so i can figure it out <laughs> <laughs> and going by the liquor metaphor better watch out is like fermented capri sun <laughs> It makes me want to fucking die. Did you know that Capri Suns all have clear bottoms now because of the scandal with Capri Suns? Oh, really? Are you familiar with the viral priest? Oh, Oh, I'm familiar with the the hashtag controversy with Capri Sun. And, you know, I applaud that level of transparency. They're like, look, we've got to bounce back from this. So (laughs) they're all clear. The only bummer is as a frugal father... I'm bummed out by how, like, there's always a little bit of Capri Sun that you cannot reach with that straw. Oh, no matter and how hard you try. now it's taunting me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like money at the bottom of that thing that you'll never yeah. get back. You know, I used to joke, like, oh, mom never buys me Gushers. But now that my kid wants fruit snacks, I'm like, like, hell, we're not made of money. Put those back. <laughs> you got an apple at home. I'm not getting you shit. <laughs> Yeah, you're 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 slowly yeah. So, but better watch out, right? So, the, uh, I I feel like we can spoil this movie, um, because in order for us to talk about this in any kind of reasonable way, we gotta spoil it. Okay, so if you don't want us to spoil, better watch out. This is the last movie we're talking about. Um, skip till you hear music and have a happy holidays. Oh, definitely skip to my spooky disco theme. Or um, or just we'll see you next week. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see you next week. Um, so better watch out. Right? Okay, are they, are they gone? I think they might. Oh God, I hope so because I need to shit on this movie. Um, <laughs> so the central conceit of Better Watch Out is that it starts out as um a, a standard Christmas horror movie. Which, by the way, I love that there's such a thing as a fucking standard Christmas horror movie of people getting stalked by an evil Santa or whatever. And there's the so it's a young boy of about twelve. And he's in love with his babysitter, who's like a few years older than him. And you think that they're getting stalked by a killer when it turns out that this little shit nuts and his terrible friend are actually orchestrating all of this. They take the babysitter hostage and this little shit just starts killing people. And then you think that he's killed his babysitter. And then it turns out, whoa, she's getting like wheeled into the the ambulance and then she flips the bird at this kid through the window and it's like oh no he's gonna get caught for being a damien child the problem with this movie is that it doesn't fucking go anywhere yeah yeah it's it is very mired the premise is bigger than anything it aspires to do yeah and like and the thing is there is a kernel of a cool idea in better watch out because I do think there is a specific kind of horror of imagine being taken hostage by a shitty 12-year-old whose voice is cracking and who kind of can't get his shit together and he's still a 12-year-old. Um, but the problem with this movie is that, like, the, the the babysitter, she has zero agency throughout this fucking thing. She's tied to a chair most of it. She tries getting away a few times and gets thwarted. And then she just gets stabbed at the end. And then she flips the bird uh, while going into the ambulance. And she doesn't get to do anything in this you, movie. You know, the screenwriter worked for Mad. No shit. Yeah, it's about that level of humor. Um, yeah. It's and the, hey, let's riff on um, Mad the Cartoon, by the way. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like Mad Magazine. Yeah, Mad Magazine the Cartoon. 
Oh, I see. Okay. So that's about the level of uh, sophistication sophistication and, we've got here, and the and, nuance of you know, well, let's have this rapist twelve-year-old now talk about um, the the physics of Home Alone, and oops, he kills someone else doing that. Yeah, he does a paint can murder on a rope with a dude, and like there is kind of an interesting thing with like his dopey friend that he bullies and dominates where the friend keeps being like, boo, Oh, I don't know. It's getting pretty crazy here. Maybe I should go, but it comes to nothing. You're basically watching like, it's not even torture. It's really annoying for an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a movie about a 12 year old taking somebody hostage and I think, all right, now here's here's the thing. I, as a genre, I hate hostage horror. It It's bad. It's a bad genre because I can't think of one hostage horror movie that justified the hour and a half of screen time I've watched. Like, it, it, it never goes anywhere or pays off in any way that particularly has ever satisfied me as a, as a movie viewer. What about uh, Hostel 2, Euro Hostel Land? <laughs> Well, as you know, I'm the world's leading Hostel 2 fan. Um, no, I... No, yeah, Hostel like, 2 is pretty good. <laughs> actually, I don't hate Hostel 2. Um, because I don't, I, don't, I don't love myself. But actually, Hostel 2 actually looked like it was having fun with the premise, and it wasn't just grim fuck, hour and a half torture. Okay, so, Ryan, what's a worst hostage movie? Luna de Miel, Honeymoon, or Better Watch Out? Uh, Luna de Miel is worse. <laughs> that, that is... Oh boy, is that worse. Now, the thing is, better watch out. Ah, I can't even believe I'm going to do this, but it does have a few things I thought were cool. Um, just because at least it was a new idea. Like, for me, a new idea that was, what if you got taken hostage by a 12-year-old? Right, because- and that's what all of the discourse has been, is like, hey, this is a fresh new take. Oh, the twist is so great. Which, which also movies that trade solely... Do you think it spoils the film to say, oh, it's hostage by a 12-year-old? I think it is giving the synopsis of the film. Like, but, it's hard but, to... but, you know, like, it's supposed to be a big twist that, oh, oh yeah. there's don't leave the house or you'll get killed. Oh, wait, uh, it's all orchestrated by the kid inside the house. You know what? Actually, I, I gotta give credit where it's due. I was surprised by that twist where I was like, oh... Okay, it's doing that, I guess. That's nice. Um, and it, 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 I mean, it is a fresh new idea, but the problem is that so was The Purge, and the first Purge movie fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. See, the problem with, and also the problem with that twist is that's about the time that I was like, yeah, I don't care about this movie, and I turned it <laughs> off. <laughs> you just had no <clears throat> interest in watching that play out. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, he's the one that, like, as soon as he duct tapes her to the chair, I'm like, yeah, that's not what I signed up for. Yeah, I know, I'm good. Um, and, and, like... Let me go watch... El- let me go watch The Elf. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what it is, also? I really didn't care for the movie The Babysitter, um, made by McG, of all people. And <laughs> you talking McG? <laughs> <laughs> you talking McG? Um, and the thing is, I there there's this trope that apparently is just super fucking popular right now in horror, which is... Remember when you were a kid and you were in love with your babysitter? Listen to me. If you're a filmmaker, shut the fuck up about your dick. I do not care 
about when you were a kid and you had a crush on your babysitter. I think there's a way to do that in any kind of interesting, meaningful way, but... Okay, the only crush on babysitter movies I want to I want to see are from underrepresented voices. Yes. If you're a person of color or a woman, please tell me all about your experience. If you're oh a my white God. dude, sit down. Yeah, if you're a white dude, I'm going to need you to fucking pause the Goonies, which I know you have playing in your fucking wretched little sad dad bachelor apartment, and I need you to fucking focus on something other than boy, I was in love with my babysitter, because it's not interesting, it's a chore to watch, and it was badly executed in Better Watch Out. See, you went with Goonies, I went with, uh, I, I immediately thought Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, or, or Ghostbusters, which I, I feel like as soon as the Home Alone reference came up in this movie, that's when I actually stopped watching it solely and started working on other stuff while I was kind of paying attention to it. Oh, the multitask. Ah, uh, I, you know, and actually, and sometimes I do that and I'm wrong about a movie because I wasn't fucking paying attention. Um, I went back and finished it later in earnest. It is, ju it is worse when you're actually paying attention to it. Okay. Uh, worse than Faces of Death? <laughs> Faces of Death was culturally important. This is not. Okay, so we're at the, <laughs> we're pretty low in the list now. <laughs> the, um, okay, oh, okay, so, so give me love a object. Love object. Is it better than love object? Um, you have to answer that in your it heart is not. words. It is not. Um, now, actually, I gotta say this. It is better than Fear.com. Really? Yeah, because Fear.com at least was of its time in a way where it was everybody going, what if the internet but mean? <laughs> and that's cool. This movie Fear.com is... is, hey, that Ring movie was pretty popular. Maybe we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's but with a website, now. because VHS is out of date by the time... The <laughs> VHS <laughs> was out of date by the time Ring came out, which is why Rings was such a bad choice to make in 2017. Yeah, yeah. The, why you know, was I, Rings not more, like, tapehead collector culture? You like, would, that oh would God. be a good Rings movie, is you know, the um, flea market where... Or the tape swap when everyone is, like, you know, trading tapes through Instagram... And so you're you saying get, us. You're saying that we're the ideal audience yes, for what Rings so Rings with a with a two instead of an S. Yeah. yeah two Rings, like two Furious is going to be tape heads trading the ring tape when but like it's, you know, hand painted, it's it's got, you know, blue film in it, it's all right. like tricked out. Yeah, but yeah, then someone almost watches it, but then they find that it's got mold on it, so they start dragging a guy on Instagram on their story <laughs> because they're a bad trader. <laughs> that was me, actually. Samara so, is a bad trader. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, Samara, uh, one star. She she terrible, shipped in horrible condition. Don't trade my with family. This girl. <laughs> I gave it to my friend because I hate them. So uh, I would honestly, I don't think that. You be, uh, that better watch out is better than and now the screaming starts. Yeah, because we got be. we got the skeleton beating like a guy beating a skeleton against a grave. That scene was <laughs> wow. more enjoy. That scene was more enjoyable for me than the entirety of a twelve year old torturing a teenager. Yeah, so take that gif and just look, call that gif up and look at that <laughs> for the runtime of Better Watch Out, and that's a better night. 
<laughs> yeah, that's. I would way rather watch that. that As Peter Cushing looks on dispassionately. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? If Peter Cushing had been in the background of this movie, judging the shit out of this 12-year-old and his doings, five stars. Would have been the best movie ever if Peter Cushing had just been there to look dour. But it didn't have that because he's dead. So. Okay, so number 145 is Better Watch Out. So yeah. we tried to get through some Christmas horror movies. Turns out there's a fucking lot of them. And so we... many. So better watch next year. <laughs> <laughs> that about sums it up. Quincy, where can our listeners find us online? Well, they can find us on Twitter at Rankin Vilecast. They can find us on the gram at Rankin Vile. We do not drag tape collectors. Uh, we are on <laughs> Tumblr rankandvile.tumblr.com if you have a question a comment you want to sponsor the show you want a guest on the show you want to tell us that we got a fact wrong anything at all um, especially if you want to advertise hit us up rankandvilecast at gmail.com if you want to request a movie we do take listener requests send those to rankandvilecast at gmail.com or our ask box on tumblr we are brought to you this week by who, Ryan? We are brought to the uh, brought to you this week by uh, our friends at LapelYeah.com. Uh, and LapelYeah is uh, one of those companies that I feel really good about shilling for. Yeah, they're dope as fuck. Um, they, they make a shitload of wrestling pins, which, again, statistically, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like wrestling, which I think was a thing uh, uh, two-player versus uh, said verbatim. Um, and Lapelia has, uh, I, I personally on my dumb punk rock jacket have at least five different pins from Lapelia. So go check them out. Uh, if you use the promo code rank and vile, is it 20% off? 20% off. 20% off. And then also we are brought to you this week, uh, by Turnbuckle Titans. Turnbuckle Titans has printed up the best, uh, horror themed pro wrestler Leatherface, uh, on a yeah. wing Leatherface versus Mr. Pogo tee. And they're willing to give you free shipping on this peach if you use the code RankinVile at turnbuckletitans.bigcartel.com. So cop that, because this is going to be a limited release, and you want to look cool at your wrestling show. And also, it's the most RankinVile wrestling shirt on the market. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you had asked us, asked us to devise uh, a shirt that's the perfect confluence of our interests, it is literally a Super Leather versus Mr. Pogo t-shirt. Yeah, that's that's... It, it us, as the the kids say, <laughs> as 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 the kids do say. All right, have a good uh, have a good week, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, Happy Holidays. <laughs> <laughs>